0: Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the fifth episode, making it the Sebastian Vettel episode of the podcast. And that is really unfortunate timing for Seb, uh, that he gets his episode on an absolutely shocking weekend from him and Aston Martin. He makes his return. It's his episode of the podcast. It should have been a great week. And we got that performance. Um, But, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. I don't want to start right off the bat just getting right on Aston Martin's ass for that performance. So, yes, let's talk about Melbourne, though. Um, Let's talk about everyone but Aston Martin at the moment, honestly. Um, First race in Australia since 2019. Did it live up to the hype? Um, It's a good question. I'm, I'm not quite sure that it did. However, that didn't make the race bad. I think that the changes they made, which I, I want to get into a little bit later as well, um, did make it better. But Australia is not really one of the bangers on the schedule, I would say. It, it's alright, and the fans were awesome. 420,000 fans in attendance. I think I saw a tweet. I'm not sure if this is official, but that's like one of the biggest sporting events in Australian history, which is pretty crazy. So they were very excited, which... I mean, fans always make the event um, much more exciting and interesting, right? So, yeah, I think it was still a great weekend. Um, Would I put it on one of my favorites uh, on the calendar? No. Um, But it was still an awesome weekend, and it was certainly interesting staying up till about 3 a.m. to finish that race uh, where I live. Anyway, reviewing the race. Uh, Let's start in qualifying. Uh, in Q1, I think that session will mostly be remembered for that ridiculous Latifian and Stroll incident, which, again, getting into later, I promise. Um, but that, that brings out the red flag, and our uh, podcast special, Sebastian Vettel, he's able to get out, doesn't really put in a great lap. And Albon, uh, he ran out of fuel, which delayed the second session. So I also stayed up for this. Quali started at 2 a.m., and all these red flags, uh, it, that was a very late night for myself. Um, thankfully, in Q2, there wasn't really many delays. Uh, nothing really notable happened in Q2 besides Bottas sadly losing his Q3 streak of over 100 straight uh, qualifying sessions getting into Q- Q3. I, re- I just wanted to mention that. Huge respect for Valtteri. It, w- it was a bit inevitable um, in the Alfa Romeo Uh, who seemed to have lost pace a bit, as well as the Haas, who were 15th and 17th fastest. Uh, So then in Q3, the session that everyone cares most about, let's be honest, uh, we get a bit of a jumbled order in Q3. Alonso, I want to talk about him first, was on an absolute flyer of a lap, Uh, could have challenged for the front row, set a purple second sector, that's what caught everyone's attention. Everyone's like, holy, Alonso is... I mean, it was a bit expected because he was very fast in practice. But then to do it again in Q3, everyone was... Like, everyone's eyes were on that lap, right? And then he loses his hydraulics, I think is what happened there. Um, Did not finish the session after crashing on his lap. Brought out another red flag. Ruined Russell's uh, and signs his chance at a banker lap. Um, So they were on the back foot a little bit there. And then Russell still put together a good lap, but it all went wrong for Signs. He said he had a problem with his car, so he didn't get out in time to uh, even properly warm up his tires and then blew his only chance at a proper timed lap. So he qualifies P9 basically last because Fernando was 10th in Q3 having crashed. So he basically finishes last out of all the drivers who set a time. And you know what? Honestly, having watched that, I I was really upset because I know last week I talked about how important it was for Signs to have a good result in Australia and not become that second driver. But in a way, I was still almost interested because when he when he got ninth place, I was like, you know what? This is kind of the first time. Like, yes, we got Hamilton out in Q one. He was definitely out of place there. But Mercedes isn't a top car. This was the first time we got to see a Red Bull or a Ferrari, who are undoubtedly the top two teams right now, near near the back. And let's see what they can do. Um, maybe we can see an overtaking class from Carlos Sainz. Um, he had a streak of points finishes coming into this race of, I don't remember how many, but I remember reading at the beginning of the year, he needed so many to break the F1 record for consecutive points finishes. Um, so P9 was, it was a bit of a challenge, uh, for Carlos to be able to do that. But, you know, I was excited to see, you know, is he going to be able to get past the Mercs? Is he going to, you know, is he going to get through the McLarens, past the Mercs, get, even qual- uh, get back up to a podium? That'd be a great drive for Carlos. Um, so yeah, I was looking forward to that. We didn't quite get it, but I want to finish qualifying. Uh, first, uh, Ocon with another strong qualifying. He got eighth. Uh, Ricardo, um, one of his best in a while, uh, I think it was like, I thought. I really thought someone said it was since 2015, I find that hard to believe, like I don't remember every every person's qualifying position of every race, maybe something I should uh, look up, but I thought someone said that, that was his best qualifying at Melbourne since 2015, which is wild to think about, but P7, you know, very strong for Daniel. Um, Then we had Russell and Hamilton lock with the third row. Russell P6, Hamilton P5. Then Norris with a stunning P4. He was great. Fastest in FP3. Norris had a great weekend. Perez P3, Verstappen P2. And of course, who else would it be? Charles Leclerc, who is just killing it so far in this championship, on pole by three-tenths of a second. I wasn't expecting that. I know last week I... uh, I talked a little bit about the Red Bull powertrains and how they looked so strong in Jetta. And how I thought that the changes would make this a bit of it more of a power-hungry circuit. Um, so I thought Red Bull would, uh, you know, kind of take it to Ferrari here. And maybe start to swing the championship in their way. And yeah, that did not happen. Ferrari, I mean, signs obviously a bit of a shocker. But Ferrari might have just proven they're the class of the field right now well Leclerc at least definitely is he is just yeah he's on fire Leclerc is and you know I feel like he's an overwhelming favorite for every win in pole position for the rest of the year until something changes significantly Um, obviously anything can happen in Formula 1 by no means am I predicting Leclerc to win every race from now on that would be unprecedented but that's the kind of pace he showed this weekend, that was, it was an incredible performance. So yes, now we're finally at light, lights out. Uh, Leclerc got a be, uh, way better than Verstappen retains the lead coming out of turn one. Um, but the Mercedes actually had a fantastic start. Mercedes plural that is. Uh, they pipped both drivers directly ahead of them. So Hamilton gets past Perez. Russell uh, goes around Norris on the outside. So Russell falls, or sorry, Norris falls back to sixth. Perez is in 4th. Mercedes is running 3-5 and five at this point in the opening lap, which is great for them. Um, and obviously that's partially because Signs is out of place in P9. And speaking of out of place, he falls even more out of place all the way down to 14th on the opening lap. And on the second lap, tries to uh, make a move on Mick Schumacher, I believe it was. Um, just... Goes into the corner, too hot uh, Goes onto the grass Loses control, beaches his car There you go, Carlos Sainz Is out of the Australian Grand Prix Just like that And that was honestly very disappointing I really wanted to see him At least, you know Make some passes I, I was so excited to see a car like that Out of place But you know what, I guess it just wasn't his weekend Um. And yeah, you know it's it's just so unfortunate cuz i really really wanted signs to not i wanted him to be a part of it, you know. And i am afraid that it's already um, it's already starting to fall apart his season for Carlos signs. So, you know, i, I it's another thing i'm going to get into a little bit later is uh signs position in fry right now. I talked about it last week and how important it is for him and I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna talk about it a bit later where I think Ferrari goes um, after Australia and into Imola and for the rest of the season. But yes, let's continue uh, reviewing this race now it's two Red Bulls against the with Hamilton in the mix. Uh, I think I think the Mercs took a step forward this weekend, but you know, I think Leclerc kind of outshadowed everyone uh, this weekend he almost immediately started to pull away from Max. I was watching uh, the race with a few friends, actually. I, Yeah, I have friends. Um, but I'm saying that mostly because Formula One's always very early in the morning for us Canadians, uh, pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, few races a year we actually get to see in the afternoon, which is like the ones on our side of the world. And then a few we get to see at night. And Australia is uh, one of them. So, uh, you know, it's a Saturday night for us. So I watched it with some friends for a change, which was fun. And we could not believe how quickly. I was like, yo, like, LeClaire is seven seconds ahead of Max Verstappen already. I swear, I turned to my friend to, like, make a point of something. I look back and Leclerc's like, two seconds ahead of where he was before. He was pulling away so fast, um, especially after. Yeah, especially after the safety car for signs. I mean, I guess that was only that was only on lap two, so there wasn't really much time to pull away in the first two laps. But yeah, Verstappen kind of gets a little bit close after the first safety car, and then yeah, after like just a couple laps later, Leclerc's pulling away. Um, he he was just so fast. Uh, all the top runners besides George Russell, uh, they pit. Um, this is obviously later in the race, I think around lap 19, 20, 21, like that, that area, Hamilton comes in, actually overcuts Sergio Perez, um, Perez, of course, sorry, he repassed him. I didn't mention that, um, overcuts Perez, but then Perez repasses him just as Checo passes Hamilton for what would have been third. Pl- no, wouldn't have been third. Cause I think Alonso, Alonso and Russell hadn't pitted yet. Um, anyway, he, he reclaims the lead after Hamilton, I think on the lap that Hamilton came out of the pits in front of Checo. Um, safety car comes out for Sebastian Vettel, who crashed at the exit of turn four, I believe. Um, Martin Brundle, I was watching the Sky Sports broadcast, called it a very unusual place to crash. I know I've done it in the F1 game, though, so I didn't find it that unusual. But yeah, just brutal for Vettel. He was in the gravel a couple laps before that, too. He was just all over the road. Hadn't really no pace. Um, but yeah, that safety car kind of robbed us of a potential battle between Hamilton and Perez. I think, I don't know if you can uh, expect that there would have been much of a battle based on what we've seen so far this season. Anytime Hamilton had got in front of Perez or Russell in front of Perez, Perez made quick work of them and there wasn't really much of a battle. That's just the difference of the performance in these cars right now. Um, but that safety car also benefited Russell massively. Uh, he had, he was the only one who hadn't pitted yet, like I mentioned. Gets that cheap pit stop, he comes out in third place, behind only Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, and ahead of uh, of course his teammate and Sergio Perez as well. Um, and from there, for the on for the rest of the race after that second safety car for Vettel, there was only one overtake from the top six, and that was Perez on Russell, much further down the line in the race. Um, but of course, that was not the order. Perez did not come third, because Max Verstappen was also the victim of another engine failure that cost him a likely P2, and that's two now likely P2s that he probably would have taken, that have been taken away from him, and that, there, there's been absolutely zero damage limitation for Max and Red Bull this year, something they've done Or they did spectacularly last season. I know Max had a bit of bad luck. Of course, Baku. um, You could say Britain was bad luck. Hungary was, of course, bad luck. So it's not like he finished second or first in every single race Max Verstappen. But all the ones he finished, he has. And which, I mean, that's still going. But in three races this year, he has one win and two DNFs. That's not damage limitation. And that is why Max... um, now Sit's sixth in the Drivers Championship, which is wild. He's won one of the three races and is sixth. Yeah, they Red Bull's got to figure out their reliability issues because I mean they're third and the constructors too. I'm I'm gonna run through the drivers championship and constructors in a moment. I'm kind of teasing where they are right now. If you haven't already seen it on Twitter, let's be honest. But um third sixth and third. Is uh, not where Max and Red Bull want to be. Um, and before I want to uh, before I run through the points finishes, I, I want to mention Alex Albon, who was unquestionably my driver of the day today. He started on a set of hards. He actually struggled a little bit at first, but then he found a ridiculous pace near the end of his stint. Williams decides to keep him out as late as possible. You know, maybe we get a safety car. Maybe he benefits huge. A safety car near the end could have actually got him like a P7. So I mean I get the strategy. Plus he was literally pulling away from people ahead of him. 50 lap old tires. He's not even losing time. So like what's the point, right? Might as well just keep trying, keep trying, and hopefully it works out. But just on just incredible. They they keep him out to the last lap of the race. He was running in 7th place uh, before he had to pit, of course, by rule. You have to finish the race with at least two different tire compounds unless it's wet. So if it's a dry race, you have to have a softer hard, soft medium, medium hard. You can't can't run the whole race on one compound or else everyone would... A bunch of times people would go medium to medium because medium was the best tire for that race, for example. You know what I mean? So he had to pit. Of course He pits for soft cause there's only one lap left and he comes out in 10th and he maintains 10th place to score one of the most impressive points that I've ever seen. You know, I haven't been watching formula one for that long. I've watched a bunch of old races on F1 TV. Um, and I've learned a lot about the history and about some of the results of some years, but I personally have never seen a more impressive 10th place. What a drive, Alex, uh, Hats off, an applause is is warranted for that drive, my man. What what a race. Um, So yes, the order was Charles Leclerc and P1 with his first Grand Slam of his career. Uh, grand Slam means he won from pole, secured fastest lap, and led every lap of the race. There's an interesting stat I saw uh, ESPN F1 posted on their Twitter uh, that shows... Um, every driver who recorded a Grand Slam since 2011 has gone on to win the World Drivers Championship, which I guess means that no, no two drivers have both got a Grand Slam in one season, which I thought was interesting. I mean, that's what that stat means, right? If if a driver, if two drivers got one in one season, they can't both win the championship, right? So. Maybe that's maybe Charles Leclerc is the only one scoring a Grand Slam this season. I mean, not that it's uh, it's very common that these things happen, but again, that just shows the class of the field uh, is Charles Leclerc right now, and he's got a huge lead in the Drivers' Championship, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, anyways, rounding out the podium, we have Sergio Perez in P two, of course, after passing Russell and Max dropping out, he was. He was still 20 seconds behind Leclerc at the end, but set still second place. George Russell with his first podium in a Mercedes in P3. Uh, then Lewis Hamilton, unluckily in P4, obviously was ahead of his teammate before the he got a lucky safety car and was able to get ahead of him. He kind of caught up. He said on the radio that he was uh, in a tough he put him in a tough position. I guess that didn't mean anything to do with Russell. It was about the car overheating, but... Lewis probably, I don't want to say he deserved P3 because Russell had a great race himself. He put himself in a position to get lucky with a safety car. You know, people always talk about, oh, this driver gets unlucky or driver gets lucky. You know, you got to put yourself in good positions to get lucky. And that's what Russell did. So I don't want to say Lewis deserved P3, but... He was unlucky today, for sure. He he could have easily been on the podium, but he was P4, which is still a good result, a great result for Mercedes being third and fourth. Anyway, speaking of great results for a team, McLaren, Lando Norris, and Daniel Ricardo scoring great points for their team. They were home favorites this weekend. Fifth and sixth, they were Lando, then Ricardo. I'm sure Ricardo would have wanted to beat his teammate and have a better result at home, but he can't complain. He said afterwards he was very happy. That he was able to kind of break the curse that he had at Melbourne of some par- some terrible luck, um, so I think yeah, McLaren's got to be very happy with how they did this weekend, um, and I not I'm actually I'll mention it later. I want to mention something about McLaren uh, in a second. Uh, Esteban Ocon he continues his great start to the season in P seven, then Bottas P eight, always great in Australia is Valtteri P nine. uh Gasly, and then, of course, as I mentioned before, Alex Albon with the best P10 I've ever seen. Leclerc uh, now leads the World Drivers' Championship by more points than Max or Lewis did at any point last season. Uh, To George Russell, who is in P2, which also is just insane, the fact that he's in P2 right now. Sainz, he falls to P3, scoring no points this weekend. Perez up to P4, Hamilton P5, and Max Verstappen in, in P6 with his only points being a win in Saudi Arabia. In the constructors, Mercedes led the way in uh, in Australia, taking a chip out of Ferrari's huge lead. Red Bull sits in third, 10, 11 points back, I can't can't remember, uh, of Mercedes. McLaren has now moved up to P4, where I think we kind of expected them, you know, that's where they belong. McLaren doesn't belong being a zero-point scoring team in Formula 1. Um, So it was nice to see them move up the table so quickly. Uh, Alpine, they're still definitely in that fight with McLaren. I think that'll be kind of, they'll be direct rivals this year. If Alpine can maintain reliability, I'd have them ahead of McLaren. I'm not going to lie. But again, their reliability is costing them. Uh, Ocon seems to be the only one scoring points for them right now because Alonso's had some horrible luck. Um, But yeah. They're in in P5, then Alfa Romeo, Haas, Tari in that order. Uh, They're in a tight battle for 6th. Obviously, Alfa Romeo, that means they're in 6th. Haas 7th, Tari 8th. Well, Williams, uh, they take their first point of the season, move up to P9, leaving behind Aston Martin in P10 with 0 points. The only team left was 0. Shocking, shocking from Aston Martin. Uh surprise, so demise, and surprise now. There's no race this weekend for Imola. Or, sorry. <laughs> there's, no re- there's no race this week. So, predictions for Imla will be on next week's pod. That made no sense what I just said there. I'm sorry. Uh, so, I'm, I'm going right into my prize, demise, and surprise in Melbourne. Because, like I said, predictions are next week. So, my prize. Um, you know, honestly, it would be Albon, but I already congratulated him for so long. I don't I don't really have much else to say, but that was just an incredible drive from Alex. So this one's got to go to Charles Leclerc. I mean, I guess I've kind of talked up Leclerc a lot this episode already, but it's got to be one of those two. Um, Leclerc drove a brilliant race. And, you know, I guess there's really nothing much else to say about it. Some will argue that this race was boring. You know, I'll say this. Some will argue that this race was boring. And, you know, the reason for that is because... Is solely the reason is because Charles, No, nobody can hang With Charles this weekend Nobody could hang with him, he was sensational Now let's get into the Demise, uh, I'm going to spend a little bit more Time talking about this There there are really a lot of people That could have won uh, the demise This week, you know, um, Max Obviously had a bad weekend <laughs> All of Aston Aston Martin as a team could have won this Stroll, Vettel The uh, Everyone. Alonso He was last. Alonso Alonso finished last out of the classified drivers with great pace all weekend. Challenging for a pole. I don't think he would have got pole position, but challenging for the front row, possibly a top three qualifying. And he finishes last out of the classified drivers. That's an L. Um, He easily could have won the demise as well. But um, someone I hadn't mentioned easily had the most to lose out of any of them, even more than Max. I know a driver's championship. You could say that's a lot to lose, but I think someone had a lot more to lose, and that is Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz, he takes the cake here. It's looking all but guaranteed Ferrari will be prioritizing Leclerc for this championship now. Sainz, I mean, he's P3 to Leclerc's P1, which doesn't sound that far away, but he's over 40 points behind Leclerc now. Um... I believe it's over forty. I, I apologize if it, it's not. It's high thirties. He he's really far behind. Um, already three races in. I've heard. I I honestly I don't know the validity to this one at all. I probably shouldn't be saying it because I don't I don't even know whose source this is coming from. Probably not the most reliable source. But I heard that Ferrari was they haven't upgraded ready, but they didn't bring it because they didn't have it for both cars yet. And they didn't want to prioritize one driver over the other. So they were waiting for the part to be done for both cars. So they could upgrade them together. Which I don't think they'll be doing from now on. I imagine everything will be going on to Charles' car first. Strategy will be going to Charles. And if Science finds himself ahead of Charles in one of these races coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if Ferrari's already telling them to get out of the way. Because... It's it's already starting. It's crazy. It's such a long championship, and you know what? Carlos could come back. Yes, anyone could come back. You know, Lewis Hamilton could win this world championship. I can't. I know some of you guys will not like me saying that, but um, he could win straight up. It's it's that long of a season, and signs could do it. Yes, but he what has he shown? What has he shown? He's he's I, and I'm a huge Carlos fan. I I like Carlos and Charles. I I don't have any. There's no really driver on the grid that I despise or anything or I think is total trash. I think I think they all deserve to be there. They're all very talented. Um, so I have no quarrel with anyone, but I would say I like signs. Sainz is one of my favorite drivers, even more so than Charles, and I, I do like Charles. I don't have anything against Charles. I love Carlos, but you know what? He hasn't shown anything this season so far in qualifying in the race that he can hang with Charles last year yes but let's be honest everyone talked about how great of a season signs had and he did but carlos was unlucky carl uh sorry charles was unlucky Leclerc had two pole positions he was p2 in silverstone i know signs had a p2 in monaco but that's a a big reason for that was Leclerc couldn't race and bottas had the uh pit stop malfunction So, I mean, there was a win, potentially, for Leclerc last year in Monaco. Um, And a couple other times, I'm not going to run through the entire year, that he just got really unlucky and lost a lot of points. I think if, you know, everything went as well for Leclerc as it did for Sainz, Leclerc would have been ahead. And I think Leclerc is different in terms of talent than Carlos. And I highly rate Carlos. But Charles Charles is very, very talented. And I just think at this point... um, Ferrari, I think, know what they have in Leclerc and they're going to, yeah, they're just going to prioritize him the rest of the way, which is so tough for Carlos. My heart uh, goes out to him and you could tell, you know, the whole weekend and even on the other, uh, I he- I remember I was just watching a video about this and someone pointed out um, that Carlos so far in like all the post-race, post-qualifying press conferences and everything, He's not been happy because he knows that he's losing quite convincingly to his teammate. Um, So yeah, I feel really bad for Carlos. Horrible quality, horrible race for him. And yeah, that's all I'll say. He's my demise, and it pains me to give it to him, but it's definitely him. And my surprise. um, I wouldn't say there was a huge surprise this weekend. You could argue, yes, Albon scoring a point was a surprise, um, and, you know, I guess it was, but, you know, I think I was honestly more surprised about Hass's lack of pace. I predicted that they'd get double points, um, last week, which I don't even want to mention because it's hilariously awful that I predicted that. Um... I honestly, I want to say this before I continue at Haas um, about McLaren. I, I told you I was going to talk about this later. That I realized right after I recorded last week that I, comple- I completely forgot about McLaren. I didn't put McLaren. Did I, m- maybe I gave Norris points, actually. But I just, like, I didn't even think about it. Like, the whole thing with McLaren starting the year so badly was they had, like, a whole, like, their breaks, like, weren't working for them. And they're really slow in the slow speed corners. Albert Park takes away like almost all of their slow speed corners, makes it way more of like a flowing um, high speed track. Obviously, like McLaren just showed, they were way better in Saudi. Of course, Ricardo DNF'd, but yeah, I just I don't know what I was thinking there. This this track obviously was going to benefit McLaren. I didn't know they'd be this quick for sure I'm not I'm not trying to say oh after I recorded I knew that they'd have a great result I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to say that but I knew right after I was like oh I'm an idiot like I should have definitely foreseen like one good result or anyway I screwed up guys but Haas I thought you know of course these are new cars I can't say oh Haas always does well in Australia they have a car that if they have a car that always does well there no this is a brand new car so of course yeah like they they don't have a car that is going to do well there cuz it's brand new but i just i don't know what happened to Haas even Magnussen was looking solid in Saudi and obviously he was phenomenal in Bahrain they were nowhere in Australia they were nowhere practice qualifying race nowhere they were lapped both cars were lapped and showed really no promise at any point um so Yes, I should have foreseen that McLaren would be in the points, probably both cars, honestly. I, I should have saw that coming, but I didn't. Um, and Alonso, I did predict he'd score points with his new engine, and I kept Ocon out of the question, and it was the other way around again. Um, Gasly, Gasly's Gasly. Great driver. Um, I don't think Alpha is uh has great performance right now, to be honest. And I did predict Bottas points, which he did get. So, there were some things I got right, but then obviously some things I got terribly wrong. Signs and Verstappen both didn't finish, and I s- has still didn't score double points. So, I was way off with that one. Uh, yeah, shocking prediction for me. So, that, that was my surprise. I, I thought even if they didn't score double points, you know, it'd be like a P10 and like a P12. I did not think they would be like 15th and 16th or whatever they were. Yeah, awful. Uh, so, yeah, quick mention, uh, quick fire news. I don't know if it's quick fire news, but there's something, some things I want to mention quickly. Um, Mercedes, they did come with an upgrade for Melbourne. It came out, like, literally right after, like, the day after I recorded, and I talked about potential upgrades coming. So I do want to just quickly mention they did come with an upgrade for Melbourne, a new rear wing that reduced drag, and you know, it did look to make a bit of a difference, they were kind of like 7 tenths to a full second off of pole the first two races, and they were closer this time, I think uh, they were a bit closer, Uh, and in the race, I mean, on high, I, 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 I didn't have this written down, but I want to mention, Mercedes on low fuel, stink, they stink, on high fuel, they look not bad, at the beginning of every race, they always like hang around for a bit, and then they fall off. And their race pace is always decent. But at low fuel, they stink. So I, I just wanted to mention that. Something about the high fuel in the Mercedes helps them a little bit, I think. Uh, so yeah, now the changes to Albert Park. Um, they look to have made a difference. Uh, not a huge one, but they, I think they made a difference. It was still difficult to overtake. Um, however, the four DRS zones we spent time talking about last week... They didn't come to fruition. Uh, they decided to scrap it before qualifying. And I think it would have been interesting to see it. And I'm not sure actually what the reason was, why they got rid of it. Like, they got rid of the one... They, there there's three here before. And then they added one. And then the one that they added, they got rid of. So we didn't even get to see a single new DRS zone. But, you know, the rest of the track still changed a lot. Um, that longer straight from the third DRS zone and then kind of making it a more steep turn um, and it was extended that turn seemed to cause some problems for people um, but I think it probably did make the track a little better and then of course getting rid of the chicane I think was was good too uh, lastly last quick shout out to Danny Ricardo I've kind of mentioned this already but very strong home race well done Danny uh, so I'm only going to have I've kind of already run long here, and I usually do a couple talking points, um, especially with no predictions. I, I usually do a couple talking points, but I'm only going to talk about one. There were a few uh, from this race, but you know we're a Canadian podcast. I think we need to talk about the Stroll and Latifi incident. I uh, mentioned it earlier in Q1. It happened in Q1, right at the beginning of my race review, and. I think I should break it down because that was a pretty big moment between our two Canadian drivers and I I figured I would give my thoughts on, yeah, what happened. So I think I'll preface it by saying that Aston Martin, obviously they had a horrible qualifying and not a great race with Vettel crashing out, but the reason everyone's been saying it's such a bad weekend is because even in practice, car breaking down, crashing everywhere, very very costly weekend for Aston Martin they barely they they almost miss out with both cars in qualifying because of these issues they've been having so the mechanics in the garage obviously I'm not placed in that garage they're not a big enough team to be giving like full coverage from the broadcast to be like oh what's going on is it close you know but they were mentioning you know Aston the mechanics are working hard so I couldn't imagine how hard those guys are working in there just to get those cars out they get Lance's out. It look it's looking like Seb Seb wasn't in the car, like two minutes left to go. He wasn't coming out, but they get Lance out. So everyone was kind of like, you know, hats off to Aston Martin mechanics. Even if you end up qualifying last. It is it's impressive to get that car out uh, for the team. And and then Stroll on his warm-up lap does just an unspeakable move and just I felt so bad for the mechanics, man. To do that and then just to come home again with a broken suspension and no, no even time on the board. It was, it was such a shame. Of course, the red flag that was brought out for this Stroll and in Latifi incident did give them time to get Vettel's car out. So, in a weird way, I guess it, that kind of worked out the same. But it doesn't. That's not the point, you know They brought back another wrecked car Um, so Just because they were able to get Vettel's car out Doesn't like make the situation better But anyway, let's get to the actual incident First of all, I think Stroll was mostly to blame But what the incident was Was, um So, Stroll, he's coming He's coming down the straight And Latifi, he sees him going by He thinks he's on a hot lap so Latifi gets out of the way like you're supposed to. Stroll goes through um and Latifi kind of notices Stroll slow down. So he's like, "Oh, he must have aborted the lap." So Latifi thinks, "Well, you know, I don't want to wh- I don't want to do my preparation lap right behind Stroll and like have to worry about him. I just want to, you know, get past him, get on with it, prepare for my hot lap, which I think is completely okay. You're allowed to do that." I think it's a smart thing to do that, to worry about your preparation lap and not do it right behind another driver. Um, So Latifi completely had the right to repass Stroll if he wanted to. The problem being is, I guess for Latifis, you could argue where he went to repass Stroll and the fact that, like, he had just let him by then to repass him right away. Like, I, I... I understand why Stroll would have been like... His initial reaction was like, what is Latifi doing? And I get that. That's probably what my initial reaction would have been too. Because, obviously, he was in the wrong. And he wouldn't have expected Latifi to do that. But he did. And he had the right to. You have to look in your mirrors. You have to know where everyone is. You can't... Just because he shows an awkward part of the track that's what stroll called it an awkward narrowing part of the track and that's why they made a collision that doesn't exonerate you 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 still were completely in the wrong and you know that is why he got a a grid penalty um yeah just it was really bad awareness from both drivers to be honest a completely avoidable senseless incident um and yeah just it's it got all canadians shaking their heads man um they both those guys they've struggled at times in their careers they both had their moments um they're of course pay drivers which it's not really something that's very popular with f1 fans but i've said before i don't really care how you got into formula one i want to see canadians represented on the grid nor, even North Americans. I've said that before. Of course, these guys are both Canadians. So, I'm proud of them. I'm I'm proud of everything that they do and I I like Darren in Formula 1. I like both I, both guys seem like good guys. I know you could say oh, silver spoon, blah blah blah, but you know they they seem like genuine good dudes. Even Stroll sometimes I think Stroll people they think he's a bit like arrogant or definitely got like some rich kid vibes but you know I I I don't see it that way. I see Stroll as a pretty genuine dude, you know, and he's aware. I think he said in like the first season of Drive to Survive, he said that, like, you know, I was born with the silver spoon in my mouth and whatever, which was funny, but you know they're they're good dudes, man, and they are great drivers. But that incident was a bit embarrassing. Um, I don't think they made Canada proud with that. That was just, they say, you know, no such thing as bad publicity, but yeah, that, that was not a good look, uh, for either of them, especially with like Latifi, I don't think it was his fault, but with everything that's been going on, I felt so bad for him. Abu Dhabi and, you know, the crashes in Saudi, horrible performance in Bahrain. This is the last thing he needed. Like he, his confidence is already probably a little bit down right now. And then this happens and I know I I was on Twitter and everyone's like, oh my God, Latifi again. And I was like, oh, like this is just, this is not what I want to see. You know, I, I have, I believe that they will both improve. Aston and Williams are both in tough spots right now. Stroll's teammate is a four-time world champion that he, he did technically lose to last year, but Stroll was right with Vettel last year. And then, Albon's a great driver And Russell's in Mercedes now Russell's a great driver Those are the two teammates Latifi's been against And they're both great drivers Both of those guys have raced at top teams now Latifi, no, he's not a top team guy But that doesn't mean he's a bad driver he, He's very talented And it's just unfortunate what we're seeing from him uh, So far this year But anyway, moving on As for Lawrence Stroll I'd love to hear what he thinks about this Aston start to the season, because it's been quite horrendous. Uh, They falter last year after an amazing 2020 as Racing Point, because of the rules that that hurt the low-rate cars like Mercedes. Those rules were basically aimed to nerf the Mercedes. Um, And, you know, the Racing Point essentially copied the 2019 Mercedes, so... That those rules hurt them a little bit, but I didn't think they'd be this bad to start 2022. It's been pretty awful. The future of this team, I think, like their future has been pretty hyped up. You know, the factory's still on its way, and you know they've always been talking about how they're aiming for championships and like the 2024, 2025 like type of thing. That, that's not that far away. Future of the team doesn't look so bright anymore, and you know their big signing Sebastian Vettel hasn't really panned out. The broadcast, I was listening to a part of it. I think it was Anthony Davidson, maybe, just said that he looks completely disinterested. Maybe it was Sam Collins. I don't know. One of the pundits called him disinterested. Um, and I think that has created, there's a bit of buzz that he could retire after the end of this season. Um, yeah, What a shame that would be. Uh, but I don't really want to discuss that on Sebastian's episode of the podcast, He's one of the most likable drivers on the grid right now, and he's a huge part of what makes F1 great. You know, that moment, he, it's his first race of the 2022 season, and he's out there on a scooter, um, driving around on the track, no hands, waving at everyone, knows he's getting a fine, just keeps going, doesn't care at all. Seb is a national treasure. I don't want to see that guy out of Formula One. He's, he's so likable right now. He kind of played the villain earlier in his career, but he is just... He's the best now, Seb. <laughs> um, anyway, that's gonna be it. Uh before I wrap it up, you know, if you want to check out uh my racing league on PlayStation F1 2021, go to YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook and look up Raw League Racing to get our races with commentary, or go to my Twitch channel, Be Crazy, uh, to watch my personal streams. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be there this week as I am attending All Star Weekend with the National Basketball League of Canada. Uh, that's in Syracuse. It's uh, where I'm working right now. Um, just a small league in Canada. Few teams going to the states for an All-Star weekend. It's going to be really fun. But yeah, I don't. I don't think I'll be making my race. But you know, still go check out the race um, on YouTube. Hainesy commentating and go cheer on my Red Bull teammate uh, Dimster. Uh, so yeah, that will do it for the Seb Vettel episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. And I'll be back with episode 6 next Monday to preview the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. Goodbye.